My guest on this week's episode of Southern Search is Kevin Fry, marketing director for the Jeff Weiler Automotive family, one of the top 50 dealership groups in the United States. Kevin is one of the most influential voices in automotive digital marketing. Automotive News named him one of the top five influencers in the world. He's a presenter and frequent keynote speaker at automotive conferences, including Digital Dealer, NADA, Driving Sales, Dealer Think Tank, Women in Automotive, and many, many other places. I'm going to spend much of our conversation talking about a recent presentation he gave at Digital Dealer Tampa. Kevin's talk was about a rather radical experiment he performed for his family of dealerships. He removed all forms from the site. No forms for new car sales, no forms for used car sales, no forms to make an appointment for an oil change, no forms anywhere. What Kevin knew before the rest of the auto dealer world was that the current website model was antiquated. He suspected that if people were given the opportunity to chat and text in favor of filling out forms, the dealership would capture more leads. Stay tuned to find out how effective this experiment really was. Grab something cold to drink and join me for a conversation with Kevin Fry. We'll chat about the current state of automotive dealership websites. Surprise, surprise, they're not great. We'll talk about how the current world of texting and chatting has impacted salespeople. And I'm going to ask him about his hobby of flying airplanes. Kevin Fry, welcome to Southern Search. How are you doing? Doing well, Mark. Thanks for having me it's today. It's great to have you on. We're, uh, you know, I guess we've been back from Digital Dealer a little while now, but I, I wanted to talk to you about a very popular talk you gave at this year's Digital Dealer in Tampa. Um, I think it's a great topic, and you're really well known in the automotive industry, but the the speech opens up with you making a statement about the current website experience for automotive dealerships. In essence, you believe that it's antiquated. You point out, yeah, dealers are doing a few things right, but there's a lot of problems that, that, that you point to. So before we can solve a problem, it helps to kind of define the problem. What What is the current sure. status and how would you define the current status of automotive dealerships in their website experience? So I've been doing this for quite a while, not ashamed to, to reflect my age in here from the beginning of the internet. And I'm always looking to improve, Mark. And it, it's important. I, I often teach that if you want to lead, you got to be humble. And that means even though you might be really successful right now, how can you do things better? And when I look at the modern day automotive website experience, it really hasn't changed in the last 15 to 20 years. So I look and I was preaching the traditional KPIs that have been going on, for example, at digital dealers since the beginning of time. And that is this. Every automotive website out there is pretty much designed to do a couple things. A, to generate forms, right. right? And the magic benchmark for that is two and a half to three percent. So if I can get two and a half to three people out of 100 to fill out a form, hey, that's really good, right? right. And then the other component is phone calls. So if I can get eight to 12 people, that's the other big KPI. And if I add those two numbers, you get a total conversion of 15%. And you can strut around these conferences and say, you know what? I'm a rock star. Look at my website conversion. And my challenge to the dealers out there was this. So you're telling me that only 15 people out of 100 you directly interact with. So the other 85, we never even touch. Right. In any other industry, that would be an absolute joke. And I think it's antiquated. We've been doing the same thing forever. We need to change the way we're going to communicate. 
And that led into what I talked about at Digital Dealer, which is basically stripping the forms off our websites. And I will tell you, I got feedback. People thought I was out of my mind, but I can share our experience today. It's, it's, it's really interesting that the statistics are very compelling. Uh, you, 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 you beat me to the headline. The, the main thing is that people want to communicate with chat and, and to, a, to some extent with, chat, with text messaging as well. So the really interesting stuff is when you, you kind of just, you burn the boats. You said, I'm not going to use contact forms anymore. We're going to just be a chat provider at your dealerships. And, and you found that the rate, you know, to setting appointments increased dramatically. So it was like the, the, some of these facts and figures are just like, it's like double or 20% improvements, like really, really big. Give our audience a sense of how dramatic the improvement was when you, when you stopped using forms. Well, I think in fairness, I kind of, I got to walk you a little bit through the journey because it, it wasn't as simple as just switching it to chat. In fact, we really saw no improvement out of the gate. And if I could... I'd like to walk you through a little bit of that experience because whenever you lead, you're going to have your fair share of black eyes and bloody noses. <laughs> and my goal was I was willing to share those experiences with everyone. So hopefully they could bypass that. So here was step one. What we did was first, we wanted to look at why we weren't converting as well. Cause those KPIs I gave you mm -hmm. the two and a half to 3% today is probably more like one and a half to two people out of 100 to fill out a form. And even phone calls are declining. So you got ahead of me, Mark, it's true. The way people want to communicate has changed. There's a bigger emphasis on text and a bigger emphasis on chat. So we thought this is what we'll do round one. We'll replace the forms on the website. So for example, if I have check e-price or get more info, whatever the case may be, Rather than that opening up a form where we could see with an event, Google Analytics, that 70% of the people will bail. They never even fill it out. We'll send that directly to live chat, and that'll solve the problem overnight. Mm -hmm. Well, we put that into place, and we're using our chat provider. There's great 24-7 chat providers that are out there. But let's be honest. They're pretty much imagine a modern day call center handling that. And they're all designed around scripts to try and generate an appointment, which opens up with right out of the gate. Hey, what is your name? What's your uh, email address? And guess, guess what our abandonment rate was doing that? It was, it was still about 70%. Right. That was right back to, to, to ground zero. So we started thinking to ourselves, what are we doing wrong? What do we have to change up? And what it came down to was we were asking them right out of the gate for their name and their information, but what had we done to earn that right yet? Hmm. So believe it or not, we just made some simple changes. And, and the biggest example is on new car pricing for dealers like ourselves. There are map pricing rules where the manufacturer actually requires you to get a name and or a phone number or email address so that you can give them below map pricing. And that's why we asked for it. So all we did, believe it or not, was we just minutely changed the, the opening chat to be, hey, we need to get your name and email or phone number to be able to give you the best pricing out there. And boom, all of a sudden, we had all of these more opportunities. So we raised our conversion, not as well as I wanted to, but that was the first step we found in increasing opportunities and conversion. Yeah, it's really interesting. You you had I thought the really important part of that call to action was that you said 
Honda makes us do this. You know, mm-hmm. I wish I didn't have to, but uh, Honda has, it makes us do this and that's why you do it. And you saw a big improvement. You're playing, you know, there's, there's a couple of psychological things that you, you talk about. People are really interested right now in privacy and they're really interested in convenience, which is yes. not new, right? Those were the two big mm-hmm. psychological things. So I, when I think about chat, I think about chatbots. I think about AI. I mm-hmm. think about uh, not always the best experience, but it solves for the convenience factor a ton. How did you how did you get kind of like the best of both worlds where you had AI do some parts of this and then the human being pick up at some point as well? And you are barking up the right tree because we we were seeing the same concerns. And once again, we we love the chat providers that are out there. But where it breaks down almost every time is the consumer asks a specific question. The the chat provider cannot answer that and all they're designed to do is basically say uh, we cannot answer that question uh, but if we get your information we can get it over the dealership and we're right back to the traditional lead form experience and they lose that convenience factor right so one of the primary lessons learned out of the gate was we needed to have our people involved at the dealership and i gotta tell you mark doing this from personal experience most dealers are really gun shy of that because when we ran in the past, this is what happened. A, realistically, you really got to respond to that chat between 8 to 12 seconds. Someone's basically having to camp next to a computer to be able to do that immediately. And then the quality of those chats was usually typically awful. And the classic example I'd see this all day long is, hey, do you still have that 2020 or 2012 Red Honda Civic? And our person puts, no. And a chat, nothing else. Not We don't have alternate vehicles. Can I call you back with more? So we were gun shy of doing that, but we looked at doing a hybrid, which is what you're leading into that really worked well for us. And that was this. AI answers the chat initially to ensure a quick response. All right. And I think most consumers out there are accustomed to that. And then what happens from there is if the, if the chat is a real basic question, such as, uh, hey, how late are you open tonight? Are you open on Saturday? AI can simply answer those questions and screen them out. Sure. But when they, in the chat, basically display behavior that they're in the market right now to buy a car, typically that's a specific question. What then happens is it's going over to our dealership. But here's the big change in technology. It used to be, as I said, you would have to camp next to a computer all day to right. be able to, to answer that immediately. Now, what we can do is for every salesperson out there on their phone, we'll have a team. Let's say it's five people. They will all get a text alert that there is a live shopper right now that wants to chat. The first person that answers that chat owns the customer and moves forward with the experience to then. It's really simple. We teach two things. Answer the question, ask for the appointment. Answer the question, ask for the appointment. That's where we saw our tremendous jump and improvement, which I can then share if you'd like some of the performance stats of what we saw. Yeah, this is where I thought it got really interesting. So this is so now we have a salesperson who okay, so th- this text feature I think is just like really important to talk about because if I'm a salesperson, maybe I thought I need to be really good in person. I need to be able to talk on my feet and persuade and all that stuff. I need to be really good on the phone. I need to be able to call people and talk to them. But now there's like this other 
texting is like a major job requirement. You've got to be able to set appointments with text messages. You've got to be able to persuade. Am I overstating the importance of being able, a good texter or being, being able to use that medium to get new appointments? I think it's actually a natural. Our, our biggest problem with uh, our younger salespeople is they didn't really grow up using the phone. They're afraid of the phone. They're more apt to fake phone calls in your CRM tool. And not only that, most people today are less likely to pick up phone calls. And I have to constantly remind our dealership people, all right, tell me the last time you picked up an unknown caller or, you know, somebody don't even know. Dealership, I, I can sidetrack for a second. If you're using outbound call tracking for your dealership, do you realize that it's probably showing up as spam every time it goes out and nobody's picking these up? Uh, phone calls to me are just getting pushed more and more of the past. But this text feature is huge. And when I share the performance numbers, I'm going to share you great. But I'm going to tell you, even the bad are better than what we've been doing working with traditional phone calls and forms. Okay, so really interesting stuff. So then you start to go into the actual data mm -hmm. and you compare it relative to all these other lead sources. You know, real quickly, what did this change now that we sit here today? And you're you're still like... I want to do better. Oh, yeah. I'm not oh, yeah. satisfied with where I'm at. But as we sit here today, what has this changed? How can you account for it? How, how, how I'm going to give you one thing that you should expect and one thing that's going to surprise you because it surprised us. So the first thing is we improved conversion by 20%. And a digital dealer, I tell you, most people are willing to hey, clap, walk out the door. Congrats. You did a great job. I will tell you, I'm not satisfied with that. You're right. I think by constantly improving the content of the chats and what we're putting out there, we can get a lot better. But this is what blew our mind. So I want to give you just a little bit of context here when you get a traditional form lead. When you get these form leads, you then follow up with them, right, to reestablish contact. That's what all these processes are, somehow to get back in touch with a consumer, hopefully answer their question, ask for the appointment. On a traditional dealership website form, we have about a 25% average appointment setting rate on that form. And I would say that's actually pretty good. That's pretty good, I would think, yeah. But what we found is when we actually run these opportunities real time, to dealership personnel on the floor who can answer their question immediately and set, ask for the appointment immediately, our appointment setting rate jumped to 58%, more than double for most of our stores. And our stores that are doing a poor job are still setting appointments at a 40% rate versus 25%. So put this picture together. Every store wants more showroom visits, ultimately right? When we do this, get rid of a form and a traditional 30, 60, 90 day workflow and basically set the appointment immediately more than half of the time. How much more efficient is that for your salespeople? But in the bigger scheme, I always preach this. Whenever you are trying to make a decision or make a change at your dealership, there's really only one key question for you to ask yourself. Does this make us more consumer facing? What I just shared with you shouldn't surprise me or anybody because think about it. As a consumer, I get on, 
I get responded to immediately. I get my question answered immediately. And when am I most likely to set an appointment? Right that very moment when I'm in the right frame of mind, the right context, I'm shopping your dealership. It's a home run across the board. To, to sort of just continue down your point, you do this interesting thing where you go into the dealership, you talk to the salespeople, <laughs> the boots on the ground, guys in the trenches. And I was trying to listen, you know, this is, this is a really impressive statistic where it's like 25% is considered good. You're, you're just shy of 60%. It's mm -hmm. really good. And so you go into these really high performing dealerships, ask the boots on the ground. The thing that I heard at least a couple of times was speed. Mm -hmm. Like people just said, we're getting to people when they're ready. Whereas a form, there's this lag time. Oh, yeah. it, it seems like the obvious, the obvious advantage for chat versus lead form of all the different things that makes this more effective. You can be more efficient. You can, uh, you, you can, you can uh, kind of make it competitive with this text messaging fe messaging mm -hmm. feature. Is speed the biggest differentiator for you guys? Is that is that? I, I think so. I mean, I talk about privacy and convenience, but where uh, you're getting ready to spend. $30,000, $40,000, cars. And the best we can do with our experience is have you fill out a form and, hey, maybe I'll get back to you tomorrow. And nine times out of 10, the dealership won't even answer the question. I mean, that we accept that level of service. We provide that type of experience is absolutely disappointing. And that's why I'm constantly pushing dealers we need to be much better. I mean, we're way behind in so many, many other industries where they're getting real-time answers. It only makes sense for us to get better and move forward with this type of approach. I like it. Well, here's a maybe a, a, strange, a question out of left field a little bit. Since you've removed forms from your site, has anyone, I mean, a customer, someone in the dealership, is there anyone who's complained about the absence of form? Is there is there an audience that just really likes forms? That are, we haven't like, had any complaints. We do have uh, within our digital retailing. There's a couple places that we couldn't replace the forms, and we still keep a generic uh, contact us on the about us page, but which is rarely visited. And the other thing to emphasize too is, let's say somebody chats, everybody's busy, whatever the case may be. Uh, the chat center does back us up, and this is one of the growing pains, which I'll come back to in a second. They'll handle the chat and submit a traditional chat formally that everybody is used to. So those kind of things still exist. But if I could, I'd like to share some of the patterns we saw with our salespeople, how well they adopted it, and where it's grown. Yeah, that's, let's, let's hear that. All right, so like anything else in automotive, of course, everybody resisted. Oh, my gosh, I just cannot change. That's the absolute worst thing. So what you do is we went out and we typically get one or two performers at the store that are willing to embrace it and try it, while the other ones will have nothing to do with it. And what they found out is when they started doing these and they started cranking and setting out appointments that this is like taking candy from a baby. So our initial people in the stores will just start banging them out and realizing this is a hundred times easier than getting a form and working it and all of that good stuff. And then in month two and month three, what happens is some of the other salespeople and they say, look at Bobby and Betty, they're climbing the sales board. What, what's going on over there? And they start figuring out what they're doing. So then they're like, you know what? Sign me up for those alerts. I want to get involved. And in our first two stores, I can tell you within six months, it got so bad 
that we had to set rules because we had salespeople that would be actively working a deal. And in the middle of the deal, they'd pick up their phone and start trying to work the next one to beat everybody else to it. That is a great problem to have. Yeah, it's a good problem, isn't it? Uh, yeah, so that's, that's a, a big part uh, of what we've seen in the personal adoption. The other uh, thing I would share with you, which I is really encouraging to me, is I get some people are early birds. And what they're doing is before the dealership opens, guess what? They're intercepting all these deals. And for all my night owls, they've been taking these things at 11 o'clock midnight because they're up that late anyhow and setting easy appointments for the following day. So it, it's, it's been really exciting. I want to emphasize it's not an easy journey. It's a big challenge to take on. I would say it takes about six months to really implement well. We continue to try to work on the pickup percentage, but the payoff is fantastic. I love it. I, I think this is a really interesting story and could really help uh, a lot of our dealer friends out there. So one of the things I, 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 I don't mean to be nitpicky, but I want to ask you about the statistic of 85% uh, mm -hmm. no conversions. Is there any data about how that's broken down in terms of PPC, SEO, uh, third-party data? Because if it's, if you're paying for the traffic and 85% of the people are leaving, that would be yeah. especially irritating to me. Uh, do, do you have, is it just how everything all together or do you have some insight into how those different channels are performing? I'm a little bit different on this. And, and let me explain. I am one of those few people out there that doesn't measure performance by form submissions, phone calls, those direct KPIs. Uh, right. I am a firm believer in measuring engagement. And I'm convinced that 95% of dealers don't do that because A, they don't know how to set it up to be able to measure it. And B, they don't know how to interpret it. In fact, I'm going to speak at the digital dealer in Vegas and try and give some insight as to what I set up. But let me try and keep it simple. From a marketing perspective, your mission is actually very simple and clear. You want to get your message in front of an in-market shopper with the item you're trying to sell. And there's many avenues to do that. So mm -hmm. SEO, SEM, whatever the case may be. And my goal is to drive them to my virtual dealership, which is the dealership website. And that, here's the reality for all of us dealers on the front line. That is our battleground. The decision as to whether or not they're going to choose to buy a car from us is going to be based upon that website experience. So that what I just shared with you, that live chat, is one part of the experience. But there's a whole lot of other points of engagement that we're measuring to see if that traffic is successful. So what I'm doing, it's not rocket science. I mean, we're, we're setting up 20 engagement touch points utilizing Google Analytics goals. The problem is most dealers are like, well, what are those exact goals? Well, I'll share what we're doing. I adjust them each year, but there's no correct answer, folks. It's based upon what you want to measure. And then what we're doing is we take that data, pull it into a Google Data Studio report, and we look at the goal conversion percentage. And we'll look at it in aggregate, Mark. You can do it individually. So that when I look at those channels, I can see what type of traffic actually performs best. If I'm going to give you some general numbers and look at campaign tags, the number one inbound uh, source of traffic is going to be Google My Business at length. 
right? And it's high quality traffic. But we're leveraging right now a lot of third-party data solutions to bring in in-market shoppers that convert as well if as in actually most cases better than expensive SEM traffic, which in my market at a minimum costs three times more, if not 10, 12, 15 times more. Interesting. Interesting. Well, Listen, one of the things you're well known for is your digital dealer <laughs> recaps. Uh, for, for those not familiar, when did you start doing these? And what's a typical Kevin Fry? Did you, you know, I've posting? gone to digital dealer, I think, since number three or four. It was really small in the uh, beginning. Uh, some folks on here can laugh, but we were literally just folks on forums and message boards is how we communicated. And the initial digital dealers was meeting people in person. Like I'd run in you, for example. We've been talking online for a couple of years and we finally meet. Uh, I decided to do the recap for all the people that were on the forums that were like, yeah, I didn't get to go. What was it like? And it just kind of started from there. Uh, you're going to find some of my, uh, my humor. You're going to get a whole lot of photos. And, and my goal is to try and pull some tidbits of great items that would benefit you as a dealer that you missed by not being there in person. And then we also try to feature uh, looking at some of the new solutions that are in exhibit hall. And it's when I go, you know how easy it is. All I do is I talk to other dealers and I ask them, what have you looked at that's really caught your attention? And that's typically, I mean, I'll work my way around exhibit hall. You'll have your partners that you want to visit, right? The big players. But that's where you find these new solutions that people can test out. Might be a great choice for their dealership to help them solve some problems. Awesome. Well, I'm going to finish here. This is everybody's favorite part of the show. This is when Greg Gifford gives me a question with no context. So I don't know anything more. It's usually like one or two words. Uh, for, for one thing, I, you mentioned you're going to be at, at Digital Dealer. It'd be really nice if you and Greg didn't speak at the exact same time because I have to. <laughs> Greg's our, our I'm way. hoping that's not the case. I mean, I have to ask Greg, but uh, I am speaking on day one, two 30-minute sessions, one followed by the Everts. They changed the format. Uh, in fairness, Greg's super popular. He's international. I have so much respect. He has grown what he is doing to an all-new level, and we've known each other for years. I typically speak on the first day because they know I'm trying to work in my recap the rest of the show. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. But I, he, for you, he has one word. It is pilot. Does that word ring a bell <laughs> to you at all? What is that about? In my, my previous lifetime, I flew for the Navy for uh, eight years. And I think military folks like myself are a natural match for automotive because we're performance driven. I mean, you either perform or you don't. And automotive is a performance-based industry. And I have actually found a lot of fellow peers in automotive that are veterans like myself. Uh, we all like the competitive nature of it. And one of the big things you learn in the service is adapt and overcome, adapt and overcome. And by golly, if you just look at the last 24 months, has there ever been a better example of needing those types of skills? So uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun to come from my uh, naval aviation background and where I'm at today. Awesome. Well, um, there's a second one here. So I've got a second no context <laughs> question. You're, this, is a, this is a special guest we usually don't get to. So for you, he has a second one, which is Peaceful Valley Cabin. Oh, <laughs> does that ring a bell at all? Boy, what a journey. And so I, 
it's funny. I go around to these conferences and I get asked about this all the time. This would be going six years ago. We bought 34 acres of undeveloped land that had a basically a dilapidated home at the front that we were going to raise. In reality, it was a cabin that was originally built there in the 1820s that had been sided over, you know, probably in the early 1900s. And uh, so this began a five-year journey where we actually restored that cabin up front. We built a road, a bridge, a huge retaining wall. It was a monstrous project. And in the center part of our property, these 34 acres, we connected a cabin from 1791 and another one from 1820s to 1840s. And uh, my wife and I have posted all along. I think everybody knows my wife, Julie, when I go to these shows. In fact, they ask more about her than me. (laughs) I have found it's like we should have started our own HGTV show. (laughs) People have followed us through the uh, all the ups and downs and excitement of building these together. But uh, it is literally in a valley called Peaceful Valley since the late 1700s that we're at. And it's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. These are good, great, good, no context questions this week. I think these are excellent. So, and thank you for your service. I think you've, uh, you, you've been really interesting to follow. I enjoyed, uh, enjoyed the recap and, and preparing for this interview very much. And I look forward to seeing you on the road. You're also a, a fun person to have a beer with in the afternoon. So um, I could use a beer right now. It's been a long day. <laughs> Well, well, Kevin, I'm going to sign off for now. Thank you again for coming on. We'll be back. We'll be back next week with another episode of Suds and Search. For now, I'll give you a virtual cheers. Cheers right back to you. Sounds great. Well, I'll see you next time. Thank you.